It's a lawless world. Podcasts fill the streets. It's up to two men who bring order to the chaos. Hello and welcome to Hardcasters. We're the podcast that can kung fu kick two people off a motorcycle. Not the same motorcycle, they're each on a motorcycle. I use both my feet with that podcast. Hello, um, I'm Dominic Deplum and sat opposite me, but only virtually, is Dick Visage, as always. But I'm on a motorcycle. He is on a motorcycle, but I'm not kicking him. I don't think I was clear. Um, I'm, I'm kicking two people off a motorcycle. They're on, it's not like motorcycle sidecar. It's not a last the summer wine kind of deal. Um, I'll move on. Um, we are talking about Jaguar lives today. Now, I, I, hopefully you've gathered from this that we, neither me or Dick are experts in anything. Um, really anything. But we are, we're enthusiastic. And I've been an enthusiastic enjoyer of martial arts films for quite a while. I wouldn't say I have the most comprehensive collection of knowledge. Or I do pretty well. I don't know every, um, every little kind of actor. In fact, um, just as a, I'm throwing this out now, if, and you probably won't get to hear this podcast for a while, but it will still be up. Scott Adkins, who's one of the, probably the best working martial arts actors today, um, not just because he's, good at, he's amazing at martial arts and does some crazy shit that you don't really not often get to see in movies, but also because he's quite a good actor and he quite often plays characters as opposed to just, the same kind of chiseled heroic character. And he's currently doing a, a kind of web series on YouTube while he's in lockdown, where he just talks to his co-stars like Tony Jaa from Ong Back and Michael J. White um, about kind of action cinematography. And they were t- he was talking to uh, Tony Jaa and about a, um, a martial artist who I'd never heard of before. Um, so I'm not an expert. I thought you were going to announce his death. I oh, no, no, then I was going to be like, I was going to fall off this motorcycle and be like, what? <laughs> Crash it. And then I'd have to kick you to save you, kick you back onto the motorcycle. Yeah. So that As you... I'm stunned and upset. You never see that in films, someone using Kung Fu and martial arts to correct people and save their lives. Like he's going to fall off a cliff. I'll fly and kick him back onto the cliff. Maybe oh, that can factor him. into our pitch. Yeah, I'll sort his posture out. Like exactly, he's got really yeah. bad posture. I'm going to kick him really hard in the spine. Kung Fu chiropractor. Kung Fu yeah. proctologist. I'm pitching this now. Forget the film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jaguar Lives is all right. Go watch it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, Jaguar Lives, I bought on DVD when it was released or re-released by Arrow Films, where they did their really nice kind of deluxe kind of packaging for it. I think um, Dick's got the same version with a reversible cover. Um, I've got the same package. Exactly I don't know about you. Package. I prefer the original artwork, not the especially commissioned painting. Well, that's very good. Um, and I'd never heard of Jaguar Lives, Lives ever. Um, no. Came out of nowhere and thought, oh, this is a Kung Fu film or a martial arts film I've never really heard of. Um, starring Joe Lewis, who I didn't really know. But normally when you do this thing, because oh, you know, I was collecting a lot of the Hong Kong stuff when it kind of exploded in the early 90s. And the the genre, not Hong Kong, didn't explode in the early nineties. Um, uh, I'm 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 they're on two separate motorbikes. Um, anyway, killed off Scott Atkins and you've blown up Hong Kong yeah. in like the space of two minutes, and still failed to make the the kung fu kick thing work. Uh, 
So I'm used to kind of discovering things, but this has completely slipped me by. But also, I'm also very aware that, that quite often martial artists' first films don't have a lot of money behind them. Um, uh, even Bruce Lee, you know, the big boss, isn't quite as polished a production as even Fist of Fury. You know, you know, you look at Jackie Chan's early films, as amazing as they are, it's him in the woods, in, in the countryside fighting. You know, it, it, they're not the kind of uh, productions. The trailer for Jaguar Lives is incredible. I mean, this film is a big production. There's a lot of money behind this movie. Maybe not a lot, Hell but, but Hell more. Yeah, but more than you would expect from uh, uh, a 1975 martial arts flick um, that I didn't even know about. Now, mm. I've seen this film, I think, twice. Um, and I, I took a risk. I haven't rewatched it for this podcast, primarily because I've already written a review of it a while ago, um, and it's quite fresh in my mind. Was this your first time watching it? It was my first time, yes, um, it was. So what did you think? So I've got a few kind of things about this. So obviously... Like you said, the cover massively sold to me, which yeah. is very misleading for the film. Yeah. So it's billed as um, it's, it's basically got a very kind of good cast. It's got uh, Christopher Lee, mm -hmm. uh, Donald Pleasance, and the lovely Barbara Back, yeah. uh, and they're kind of headlined on the front of the DVD. Mm. And Joe Lewis. So it's like wow. And like yeah. on the cover, you've got uh, John Pleasance playing like a you know, a, a kind of mad dictator, kind of, you know, Banana Republic style um, villain, and Christopher Lee doing his kind of suit, uh, kind of James Bond villain, but also yeah. kind of Wicker Manny villain. I was like, this is going to be amazing. They're barely in it. They're yeah. in it for about five minutes. Barbara yeah. Back, I think she's in it, but they reuse the same shot of her in a helicopter. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Gyrocopter, because it's the yeah. 70s. We need yep. to establish every single film in the 70s, and I'm going to be yet to be proved wrong, features a gyrocopter. Not yep. a helicopter, yeah. a gyrocopter. Midnight Cowboy, it's got a gyrocopter yep. chase scene in it. Every, yep. every film. Kramer versus Kramer, gyrocopter. Yep. Um, <laughs> or if it didn't have one, would not be greatly improved by the presence of a gyrocopter. That's just <laughs> exactly. Kramer versus Kramer versus gyrocopter. Yeah. Deep throat. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, um, obviously I was expecting these these this kind of villain scenery chewing performances, mm. which left me a bit cold because he doesn't really interact with them that much. Donald Pleasance, it plays it. I, it's a very bizarre performance. He, he just plays it like a mad, yeah, mad. Donald Pleasance. When, yeah. when you when you when you find out that in when he's in Escape from New York and they've got him uh, and they they've got him sat and they're firing the gun at the suitcase and he's in the blonde wig hmm. and when you hear that he brought that to set and insisted on wearing it um, that yeah. wasn't a, uh, you think oh I get Donald Pleasance's performances now I wouldn't be surprised if he turned up in that uniform without telling yeah. anyone they just that's how we arrived yeah. at set. What I loved about it, he has a comedy monocle. That every yeah. time he shouts or gesticulates, the monocle falls off. Ooh. But it's a huge monocle. It's too big for his face. <laughs> it's brilliant. So yeah. I reckon you're right. And Christopher Lee, kind of, he visits Christopher Lee, and I thought he's the big bad. I thought Christopher Lee was the guy behind everything. Mm. But he isn't. And it's kind of a, just a very quick plot point to move to Christopher Lee, and then it goes away. So it's a bit disappointing from that respect. But it's a very globe trotty film 
Yeah. Like we talked about the budget before. Like they actually have some really good locations. I think they go to Hong Kong. They go to uh, Spain. They go to, I think they go to Germany or Holland in there as well. They go mm -hmm. to New York. It, it does actually globetrot. It, it doesn't look like they filmed it at the car park in like Germany and like put like some Chinese writing. They've actually clearly filmed it on location because there's one where they run at this temple. There's one where they're kind of, um, he's, he's kind of infiltrated this base and it's very, very kind of, they've clearly spent money on their locations. So they're clearly trying to pitch Joe Lewis as this kind of new action guy. And it, it feels like they're trying to make it like a cool James Bond. So they're kind of taking away the suits and the kind of cocktails and the kind of suaveness to make like a rough and ready American James Bond figure. Mm. So kind of, Jason Bourne, but Jason Bourne, if he was in a a Bee Gees video, yeah, essentially, yeah, I, I, I and I think really you, you've you've touched on all my uh, almost word for word my initial observations when I saw it for the first time, uh, and and when I reviewed it, and I think it's it's the two things that probably the producers saw as the the selling point in, in that this all star cast. And these great locations are also um, the film's greatest problem. Well, it, uh, I'm trying to work out the best way to kind of explain it. So I'm, I'm going to start with a little bit on Joe Lewis, who plays uh, our heroic Jonathan Cross, a.k.a. Jaguar. So he's a kind of secret agent with this code name. And it opens. And again, you know, I, w I went into this kind of, even having seen the trailer, kind of thinking this has got to be a cheap movie the, the shots in the trailer has got to be spaced out or whatever now the opening is quite exciting him and his kind of partner in a kind of professionals style um uh kind of approach uh rock up to this um sort of cable car thing so uh, elevator not cable car it's a like a we would call it a cliff lift um but it's basically a, a track that goes up the side of a mountain or, or or hill or whatever with a with a car on it and funicular railway? Is it funicular railway? Is that the is that the parlance for it? Um, possibly, yeah. I mean, that's far more intelligent a word than I. I said cable car, not a cable car, cliff lift. <laughs> 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 yeah, you've raised the bar there, Dick. I'm sorry. Um, and basically, it involves a shootout <laughs> on this kind of 90 degree axis, which is kind of exciting and visually interesting. Mm. And it, uh, basically, Jaguar, a hero, is double-crossed by his partner. They fail in their mission, and there is an explosion, which is some pretty impressive miniature work. Yeah, um, it is. It's really good. And can and, I just quickly interject as well? Yes. That this guy, Jag Jaguar, it's not Jaguar, it's Jaguar, Jaguar. he, he double-crossed a lot in this film. Yeah. He, he doesn't friends well at all. He's a little bit naive, I think. Um, yeah, and it's a good opening. Now, basically, the, the thrust of this is you've got to track down the person that betrayed him and kill him. And that's it. And that takes him to a series of locations and to meet a series of people. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say that, that Joe Lewis is it's his first film. He's not an actor. But he's not, by any stretch of the imagination, bad in this. He's no... I would say no different to Chuck Norris. I mean, he's not Bruce Lee, um, who is. You know, there, there, there isn't the kind of same kind of presence and charisma. 
but he's, uh, he's, he's got the looks of a leading man. He's got the physique of Bruce Lee. You know, he's very, uh, there's not an ounce of body fat on him. He's very classically attractive. Kind of got a bit of a Robert Redford look about him. And I think he's actually quite likeable as well. Yeah, I mean, I like, like I say, when I say he's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be uh, bad there. You know, he's, he's absolutely fine. Um, I'll tell you what as well. Yeah. Shags are none. He shags are none. Does Bruce Lee shag a none? No. No, no, does not. He doesn't. Um, and, well, I'm going to make you like this guy even more because I did a little bit of very, very, very cursory research on him. Um, and th this guy was one of the best um, martial artists in the US from the 60s and 70s. He was competing. Um, I read this. I, I don't know whether it's true, but apparently he is one of the few people to have beaten Chuck Norris in a fight, in a professional fight. So wow. all the, those Chuck Norris facts fans, um, Joe Lewis is, is possibly tougher than, than Chuck Norris. And he did some stunt work um, and some stunt choreography and some fight choreography. But this is his first movie. So he's absolutely 100% the real deal. He, this guy has got the, the martial arts chops. The problem is, despite piling this kind of big production behind him, which is an uncharacteristic display of confidence, at the same time, all those actors and all those locations actually show that they weren't confident in him enough because he never actually gets to really let rip. Every, no. Because basically, the problem is that he, you know, if I read out the cast list on IMDb, okay, this, this is the, uh, you know, as Dick mentioned, we've got obviously Joe Lewis in the lead role. We've got Christopher Lee, we've got Donald Pleasant, we've got Barbara Back, we've got Joseph Wiseman, who played Dr. No, um, Woody Strode, um, John Houston. You know, these are some big old names, um, a lot of them coming from Bond movies, but mm -hmm. they literally turn up say about three lines and fuck right off again. And what happens is this, this film falls into this um, cyclical narrative thing where he goes to a location, meets someone famous, they mm. tell him something, there's some peril, he goes off, goes to another country, meets someone, bit of peril, goes to another country, and that's it. It's just like these yeah. little episodes, all of which are the same. To the point where, and I don't know how you felt, I got to the middle and I had no idea how long I'd been watching this film, how long it had left, because there was no structure to it. There was no. no point like, oh, we're in the middle action sequence. It's like, this could be, I could have been watching this for 10 minutes, I could have been here for three hours, no yeah. idea. And the, the cardinal sin, I think, is that Joe Lewis doesn't get a really good action sequence in this. All the action sequences are so short and so cut for example so there's some good stuff um you know he fights the guys on the motorcycles uh at donald Ple uh, pleasance's palace um, which, yeah which does involve him martial arts kicking them both off the bike at the same time but they're not on the same bike um and it, it that's a generally good bit and a quite inventive um but once he's kicked them off and again they kind of rock up out of nowhere he kicks he kicks them about a bit that's it um, there's a there's a kind of car chase where he's on top of the car, which is kind of exciting. Then he just falls off and the guy gets away. Um, there's a bit where he's in a factory or a warehouse, and all these people turn up with weapons and stuff. You think, oh, here we go, and he just climbs in a box and runs off. Mm -hmm. um, and so, it, it it there's never a point where you think this is a this is a sustained action sequence. The only one that really. Um, 
takes off the ground is there's like a, a graveyard fight. So basically, I, I, I believe I remember rightly, um, Christopher Lee's got him. He's done doing a face-to-face. They're in this kind of dusty graveyard thing. And, and then these kind of guys in uh, outfits come up and they start to fight. And the reason this one works is each fight is short, but then Joe Lewis leaves that fight and goes straight into another one. So it's like four separate fight scenes back to back. So it's at least longer. And then the final fight scene between our two, our hero and, and the bad guy, should be one of these really iconic martial arts images. They've both got these spears, these kind of ornate spears, and they're both stripped to the waist. They're both on top of this, I don't know, it must be like Molotov or somewhere like that, this, this kind of, uh, yeah, fort kind of thing. And there's just nothing but, yeah, nothing but kind of, not desert, but um, kind of arid land around them and the sun's beating down. It's really kind of epic mythological stuff. And it's an okay fight. But ten, mm. again, what tends to happen is they jab each other and then one of them runs off and he chases him and then they jab at each other more and then one of them runs off. And it just doesn't have that sustained martial arts. Now, if you look at Enter the Dragon, the last fight scene is just this escalating that goes from here to there, from there to there. Um, you know, there's, a, there's a point in Enter the Dragon where it starts the fighting starts and just doesn't stop. And here it's just so stop start and they just feel like, oh, we're not, we haven't got really enough room to do. So let's throw in a guest star and move into another location and move it along. It feels like they've spent so much money on locations and guest stars that they've not covered his insurance. So they're terrified of anything happening to him. So like, yeah, just run away at that point because we, we can't afford to cover your stunts. We haven't got a stunt double and you can't do them yourself. So just run. Yeah. You just feel like it feels like they've kind of kept the brakes on with him a little bit doesn't it yeah and i think as well if you you know that these guest stars coming and starting to make it feel like a bit like a tv movie or a, or even a bit like children in need or something like a telethon like oh look who's turned up now um and that's the other thing i think you know <clears throat> this is a film that definitely was produced in the wake of of both Bruce Lee's death and Enter Dragon's success. Mm. You think how just cool Enter the Dragon is, what vibe it's got, and this doesn't. I, and I've got it here. My when I first wrote my review, when I first saw this, I described it as um, the equivalent of a pastel sweater tied off around the shoulders. It's just not a cool movie. Um, no. You know, there's, there's <laughs> bits and starts where you think it's going to really take off, and then someone, you know, oh, it's this guy from a Bond film, and he's hamming it up and then oh we've moved location oh it's gonna be fine no there's not um and it's a shame because joe lewis could have been really good you know Mm. i I would argue that he's got more in his corner as a film star um than chuck norris had at that time uh, period of time but it's just he wasn't given the movie to actually allow him to showcase what he could do um now he did make uh, a few more movies he made a film called force five directed by Enter the Dragon's Robert Klaus. Um, it's considerably cheaper looking, but it's better. It's got Richard Norton in it. It's got Benny Erdriguez, and I apologize if I'm saying that right, name wrong. I've only ever seen it written down, but he's the guy, um, he fought Jackie Chan. You know, um, have you seen um, Gross Point Blank? Yes. You know the fight they have in the hallway with the assassin? Yeah. That's him. So he's, uh, again, he's, uh, he's been in loads of martial arts films, and I think he was... Um, John Cusack's martial arts instructor and that's why he's in the movie um, he's in it as well so there is um, uh, it's, I think it's a better movie it's better paced, there's more action there's more opportunities for Joe Lewis to, to kick ass he's supported by actors 
who are in it for more than two seconds and are actually, you know, doing more than just kind of doing a kind of caricature. Um, it just doesn't have the, the production behind it, this one. Um, and it's a real shame because it's, it's just one of these things where actually had they had more confidence in him being able to hold a scene and more importantly, more confidence in him as a martial artist, which I don't see why you wouldn't, and that let him rip. Um, you know, it, it, it's just one or two fight scene short of being actually a, a pretty a pretty good martial arts film and again I, you know it may seem like i'm being harsh on it it's not a bad film there's there's plenty to like in it you know like we say donald pleasance is always a delight and he doesn't disappoint in this it's just if you go if you go into it thinking about it as a kind of um you know a lost uh martial arts classic it, it never quite gets there it feels a bit like charm. they've got a Ferrari and they're test driving it as if they're driving, you know, in like National Lampoon's European Vacation where they're just going round the roundabout and they don't mm. want to come off. It feels like they've got a Ferrari going round the roundabout and yeah. scared to go anywhere else apart from just round and round. It just feels yeah, like yeah. they've got... I don't, want to ding, I don't want to dent it. I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. take it above 30 because that's a very good analogy. It's a, it's, a, it's a guy who's bought a sports car in a residential area and he's yeah. too afraid to drive it at any speed or anywhere. And that's what he's got. They've got this Ferrari of a martial arts actor and they don't uh, open him up on the road. That's a horrible image. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can assure you at no point does anyone open Joe Lewis up in this film. Not in this film. Not, no, not, no. Not, um, yeah, maybe another one. Um, I think possibly my enthusiasm was, was um, knocked because I thought it had so much potential and there's actually a lot in there to like. Like I said, the graveyard kind of action sequence is great. And the, the finale looks fantastic, even if the martial arts content doesn't quite get where it wants to be. And I think I could, you know, you might be more forgiving those scenes had the journey to get there had not just been this parade of, of, of James Bond actors, basically. Or if it had been a parade of carry-on actors, that would have changed everything. That's true. That would, yeah, yeah, that would have been brilliant. But if you are a completist and you are, and you know, it's a curiosity. It's a thing that I'm glad I own and I'm glad I've watched. And I do every now, every now and again think about putting it on um, because now my expectations have, uh, have changed. I might enjoy it a second time round or a third time round or a fourth time round even. Um, so I'm not trashing this movie, um, but it's not a, a home run by any stretch of the imagination. You've also got Don Pleasance's massive monocle. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Really, which feels like he is in a carry-on film, or yeah. below, or something like that. That he's yeah. just playing it completely bonkers. Yeah, if you are interested in Joe Lewis and you want to uh, see him in action, I I'd probably recommend Force Five. It's like I say, it's, it's considerably less production behind it, um, but it's a far better movie, but far more satisfying movie. Let's say that. Um, do you think I'm being unfair? No, I think I think like you said, I think we I think. It, it, it dazzles on the cover, so I think the expectations are raised. And the cover's kind of got that classic, you know, all these big stars and the speedboat on fire yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, this looks amazing. And like you say, it's got these lovely locations, but it just doesn't seem to... It just it almost seems to temper your expectations. Because mm. what I thought, when he got to the end fight scene and he's on the castle... And like you say, it's such a lovely backdrop. He goes from middle of the night to daytime really quickly, though, mm. which threw me a little bit. Yeah. But you think, here we go. 
here it is. There's two of them stood opposite each other, pretty much looking mirror for mirror. They both look mm. pretty much like for like in terms of matched up. They look the same physique, yeah. same big hair, big blonde butter hair, yeah. same kind of, you know, they've got the same weapon. You think, right, now it's on. And it just seems to be like they run towards each other. One moves out the way and goes, ooh, yeah. and then do the same thing again. It's just like, oh, come on. Yeah, it, yeah. it does feel like you're waiting for the big stuff to happen and it doesn't really yeah. kick in high gear. Yeah, it's one of those it is awful, it's just frustrating because it could have been so much better. I mean, this could have been a stone-cold classic. And I'll tell you um, what's also missing as well. It's got James Bond film, it's got the kind of locations, it's missing like a, a catchy song. Yeah. You know, like James Bond theme where it's sung by a kind of, you know, famous singer or band. It's missing yeah. that. If it had like, it opened up with like... A Shirley Bassey number. Slay, I was thinking Slade. Just I was thinking slightly <laughs> yeah. below glamour. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. On a yacht, just yeah. kind of playing. Um, and every time they say Jaguar, there's the yeah. noise of a cat, like in yes. front of cats. Yeah. And Noddy Holder kind of got a, a big cat. Kind of on <laughs> that halfway through the shooting the video, it attacked him, and it's like one of these famous outtakes of him being attacked by a Jaguar. We're, we're yeah. now inventing behind the scenes stuff for music videos that didn't exist. Um, <laughs> what could the song be called? What could be called the song? So I, I, I always have a, a fondness for Bond movie themes that don't mention the title of the film at all, yeah. really. You can't mention the title of the film, I don't think. That's no. All, no. I think that's a weird uh, to go. Uh, I was thinking balls to the wall. Yeah. And then in brackets, like balls to the wall in the clink. Or something like something yeah. ridiculous. You know what? I, 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 I don't want to go off topic here too much, but... Um, because we'll never get to talk about this film, but it does call to mind um, uh, Her Majesty's Top Gun. Uh, I hope we did. Film. I hope we, we, did. we might have to, but it's not an action film. But if anyone hasn't seen that, it's a kind of attempt to marry Bond movies with Carry On on an incredibly low-rent kind of thing. And it's got the best title sequence ever. It's a, it's a montage of all the stuff that happens in the film that involves... A, a bizarre array of stuff, but one of the best theme tunes called Giving It Plenty. Um, it's amazing. It's, it's incredible. So Please, if you don't do anything uh, after this podcast, if you don't go and watch Jaguar Lives, just go and watch that on YouTube. I think Giving It Plenty would have been a great theme tune for, for Jaguar Lives. It, it should have had Giving It Plenty. That, I yeah. mean, it's, uh, if, every time I hear it, I, it's in my head all day. Yeah. It's so... Uh, so I think actually, having said that, any film, so... What we're saying is that in the 70s, any film could have been improved with giving it plenty of theme tune and a gyrocopter in it. Yeah, all day long. This is what you tune in for, people. Um, don't, don't start booing now. This is what you asked for. Um, it's keywords time. Um, last week, we got um, Groom Dies at Wedding Day. Uh, wise mentor and alliteration added to the Lady Dragon keywords, which I'm really proud of because that, that raises the bar a little bit. I look forward to someone seeing the word alliteration or someone possibly searching for films maybe that have alliteration and Lady Dragon popping up in that. Um, the keywords for this, bare-chested male, kung fu, former champion, uh, fire boat, sea, airport, airplane, valley, horse. I mean, it's the, the keywords have a kind of similar kind of thing to the, the, the screenwriter. It's just a list of things that happen. Um, Banana Republic is in there. Shipping Magnate. 
uh, evil what man. It sounds like if you say them really fast, it sounds like that Billy Joel song. <laughs> you know, he just says words together. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is it uh, weed higher? Yeah. Someone's put James Bond spoof, and someone's put James Bond imitation. Um, punctuation. Someone's put there's punctuation in title, exclamation point in title, and character name in title. So I'm going to tell you now, since they, I'm going to put in animal in title. So we've got what other two keywords are we going to put in here? Uh, monocle, giant monocle. Oversized monocle has got to be in there because that makes the film for me. Yep. So we've only got one. We've got animal and title, over, oversized monocle. Um, can put disappointment. <laughs> 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 uh, have, you, have, have you got a word that just goes, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, um, gyrocopter. Okay. I mean, That's better than that. Yes, I'd like to add oversized monocle as a keyword. Okay. Submitting these updates. Easiest one we've ever done. It's going to be difficult to pitch a Joe Lewis movie mm. because ultimately we don't even, you know, I've seen two of his movies. I don't really know enough about him or got a real sense of, of who he is as an actor beyond that. I don't know what he would be best suited to. So um, I'm thinking, and again, I know we don't like to, uh, with the generator, we don't like to go in with too many preconceived ideas. So I'm going to pitch this to you. And I think you're going to be happy with what I'm saying. I think you're going to go with this. I think we need to pluck someone else from the world of sports um, mm. and put him in his own film. Right. Not far off a similar time. Someone who's got a kind of similar-ish look, similar kind of haircut, light kind of, not buttery, kind of grey. Um, it's Ric Flair. Let's, let's oh, pitch right. a Ric Flair movie. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I'm like, I'm Ric Flair all day long. So we're going to take someone who is a, uh, a, a, a wrestling champion and turn them into a James Bond-esque globetrotting spy. Um, tell you what, let's, we'll come up with a title, but let's just make, remake Jaguar Libs with Ric Flair. We'll have a whole list of guest stars. Um, can't wait some action scenes for him. And we'll go from there. So I am opening up <laughs> the title generator. It's already got a, when you open up, it's already got one in it. Um, and the, the title is Smelly Samurai, <laughs> which I, I don't know. So, um, okay, off we go. Uh, wild Breakdance, Com Computer Meat, Electronic Predator, uh, oh, Eternal Feet, uh, Massive Bazookas. Uh, <laughs> or improper justice, uh, furious in, lives, improper, improper bazookas. Yes. This way, take with me. Warm impact. <laughs> oh. Wild flag. Um, incredible pregnancy. Uh, blazing legend. Violent. Bla I mean. I think we've already decided, haven't we? It's improper bazookas, isn't it? <laughs> uh, sex kicks. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I think, again, unless anything, Dirty Gladiators is quite good. 
but I think improper bazookas. Um, yeah. So, thank you, title generator. Um, improper bazookas, it is. Now, I think this calls to mind arms dealers. Uh, yes. Borrowing maybe a little bit from uh, the film Eraser with the uh, manufacturing sale of the rail gun. We'll go back into the past and bazookas, I don't know. How about... Um, okay, how about the, someone is making bazookas but that have the kind of cylinder that a revolver has so it can fire six rockets? Yes. Okay, yes. so it's not just a one-shot and reload. It's got a yeah. big circular kind of, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but like a drum with, with yeah. six chambers and you slide a rocket into each. Yeah. And so if, if these get onto the, onto the streets or into the wrong hands, who knows? So let's just copy the, let's just fucking copy Jaguar Lives. So Ric Flair is going to be playing. So we're going to need his character's name and his, and code, his name. code name. So his character's name is what? Uh, his character name uh, is I, Lorenzo. Oh, that's good. Lorenzo. So a name has just sprung to mind, but um, I, you're, you're, well, I don't want to interrupt you. you you're, you're going somewhere. I'm thinking Lorenzo, but I want also like a really Fabergé Lorenzo. <laughs> <laughs> See, I had Wash Rampart. <laughs> oh. Why, why don't we make... Uh, one of them a Okay. So, uh, yeah, I don't mind which is which. Um, and to be frank, with Ric Flair's character, we're going to call him by a different name anyway. So, should we have Wash Rampart as the villain? Yes. So, Loren Fabergé Lorenzo. Yep. A, but people call him Fab. Okay. Right? Um, what's his code name? What animal, what spirit animal is Ric Flair? I think there's got to be something... Um, to do with the white or the silver hair. Um, uh, Something like silver fox? Yeah, silver, silver, silver back. Um, what, uh, what are those? Badger? Yes, the badger. Badger. Call, call in the badger. So, Fabergé Fab uh, Lorenzo is a, is a, is a wrestler. Okay, he's a former wrestler. He got to the, the peak that he could. Um, very flamboyant. And so good at wrestling is he that he was hired by the government to be a secret agent. And he goes out on his uh, uh, mission with his partner. And they're mm. kind of playboys. They're in an open-top sports car. And I think Ric Flair should be dressed as Ric Flair, like yeah. in wrestling garb. You know, so like a, a, a feather boa, a kind of long white, uh, what the boxers, gowns, whatever they're called. Like you know? a diamond encrusted gown. Yeah. And then just white or blue trunks. Okay. I like the fact that he's so confident in his sexuality. That he, just li he hasn't just got like an open chest. The entire front of his body is open, yeah. apart from really? his speedos. Um, now, his wash rampart, who is his, um, his as at the time we meet them, his partner, um, who might play him? Is he going to be an actor? Because I think you'd normally team up the, the new guy with someone a bit more seasoned and confident. Yeah, I think um, so. I think... 
So I'm trying to think of someone in the same ballpark, someone, you know, a kind of macho-esque guy from the late 70s. I was thinking like a young Nick Nolte or a young Gary Busey. Yeah. Let's go Busey. Let's go young, yeah. young Busey. Um, so these two, you know, are used to driving around, uh, drinking, womanising, living the playboy lifestyle. They probably play tennis from time to time. Um, uh, and um, they, they go on a mission. And while they go on this mission, uh, Wash Rampart betrays the badger uh, and leaves him for dead because Wash Rampart has got a lucrative arms deal which he made on a, a kind of di- a contact on a previous mission. And he's leaving the agency to go and sell improper bazookas to um, uh, terrorist organizations and to street gangs. Yes. Um, and so Ric Flair's character Badger is in recovery. He's, mm. We've done a monastery, so I think he should be um, possibly... We, we did a monastery with Wesley Snipes. Um, yeah. in octagon of feet. Um, yeah, or I'm thinking maybe it's like a health spa, uh, like in Never Say Never Again. Like yeah, a, okay. uh, but like a, few, about a, fut- a futuristic Swedish health spa. So it's full of people with Nordic accents, but like weird treatments, like lights. He's like sat in a... <laughs> I've got his image of him sat just in his trunks in a, uh, a throne made of crystals as just coloured lights go over him and that's like okay. some kind of treatment so Brilliant. it's a futuristic treatment um and that can be our first guest star whoever the the doctor with this revolutionary treatment is um now obviously it's the 70s so we're not going to hire someone with an accent we are going to hire someone and tell them to do their best guess of what a swedish accent would, would be yeah and we wouldn't even say Swedish, just say Scandinavian or European. It's up yeah. to you. Same thing. So now I will say, um, listeners, or listener, um, how much you're going to enjoy the next 20 minutes. We're just, it's just us. <laughs> how much you're going to enjoy the next 20 minutes is going to really depend on how much you know about 70s British sitcoms, really. Because we ain't going with anyone globally known. Um, so you might want to get Google up. Um, but frankly, since it's probably just me and you, we're going to have a whale of a time. So I'm going to go straight off. I think we go in hard, fast and deep with Terry Scott. Oh my God. I think Terry Dude. Scott in a, um, wig? A, yeah, a blonde wig. Like he, yeah, like a, like a, you know, um, in, oh, what's it called? Uh, the Lagoon movie with Brooke Shields. Oh, yeah. You know the guy in that who's, like, got the little blonde curly Caligula hair? Yeah. I think that. And <laughs> Terry's I think that, got the Caligula yeah. wig. <laughs> and I think, so he's tanned because he's, uh, I, I, I'm going to assume that as a Swede, he's in a sauna and sunbed and all that. But I like the idea that as a Swedish doctor, obviously during the 70s, the, I think the, the image of Sweden was it was quite sexually um, liberated. So it's going to be full of sexual innuendo and, and women walking out of things and stuff. And I like the idea he's just in a towel the whole time. Yeah. Ric Flair's M, he's like, I'm not sure this is okay. Well, he did say it was unorthodox. And then Terry Scott walks out in just a towel with a clipboard and, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, and a bad and Swedish um, accent. Pipe. Huge pipe. Yeah. Yes. Well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So 
Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Where's our opening action sequence? Where does this take place? What kind can I, of... Can I rewind further as well? Because can we change Ric Flair's name? I'm Go thinking on. now that you said that. Can we call him Lorenzo Caligula? Yes. Yes. Because it sounds Italian and sexy, but let's, it's just complete, like, you know, Caligula, because he's just, like, shagging and being at debauchery. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Lorenzo so, Badger Caligula. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they, they're going to have their... So, obviously, in Jaguar Lives, it's on a kind of, whatever the hell that is, uh, a, a kind of 90-degree uh, car thing. Scenic railway. Scenic railway. Yeah. <laughs> so, miniature railway. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I knew you'd say that. Yeah, wait, yeah I'm in there. Small, tiny railway. Yeah, there's a shootout on a tiny railway. <laughs> so, but Ric Flair, Ric Flair's character Badger is not dead. He's in this Swedish recovery suite uh, with Terry Scott and M, uh, or you know the the American version. So we'll we'll get um, I don't know we'll get uh, a I don't know. Let's think. We'll just get one of WWF managers like Bobby the Brain Heenan or something to be M. Um, uh, comes in and will um, kind of ask him whether he wants to. Uh, well, certainly, you know, the, he's got an opportunity to get his revenge. Yeah. He's got an opportunity to do that. Well, you know, he leads with, I like the idea, he leads with the bazookas thing, and Ric Flair's like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. You know, I'm. Uh, and then he mentions that Wash Rampart is, you've got a chance to get Wash Rampart, and he goes, and he just stands up and his towel falls to the ground. <laughs> and he's like, I'm in. He just shout woo, like do his catchphrase. Yeah. Yes. I like the idea that he maybe says something along the lines of like, um, you know I always get my man, and Terry Scott kind of looks at the camera and goes, <laughs> like that. Um, so, yes, uh, off, off we go. So let's say we've got five locations around the world. I know we're, we're getting back into <laughs> Danko and Goodnight a little bit, but we've got five locations. Um, that would have been exotic in the 70s. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Cotswolds. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, uh, we need a, a guest star for each one. Okay. So I, I, I like the idea of Brazil because I think in a lot of movies, a lot of Bond movies, there's, there's a carnival where someone gets assassinated in. So we'll have a, a, a carnival in Brazil. And when I say that, it will be stock footage of a carnival yeah. and everything else will be shot in like Shepparton or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a carnival in Brazil. Um, I like the, the idea of going somewhere rainy and British because I, I like the idea of like a hyper-American Ric Flair meeting very traditional British stuff, kind yeah. of in like European vacation. So you go to a pub um, uh, and there can be some fish, hilarious fish out of water stuff there yeah, that's not good. what about uh, yeah uh, benadorm's not that that bad a shout i like the idea of a beach so he can just be really red and sweaty on a beach somewhere yeah. drinking a cocktail right. yeah um well let's let let's let's stick with those three for now and then we'll kind of build on that so um let's say he goes to uh brazil first okay we've yeah. got all this stock footage of of carnivals um and there, he's going to get a piece of information from a celebrity. Uh, there'll be some mild peril. Mm. And then he gets on an airplane and, and fucks off um, to London. So, 
I, I put forward Terry Scott. Who do you want him to meet in Brazil? I think because he's the master of his uh, 70s British style, but he was the master of let he could play any ethnic part and get away with it. He couldn't get away with it, but I think right. the producers in the 70s thought he could. Yeah. I'm going to give you Bernard Breslau as a Brazilian. Oh, yes. So big, kind of like um, Lionel Richie hair. Yeah. Um, or like, you know, the, the guys in coming to America with a kind of very kind of curly black yeah. hair, a little moustache, again, like Lionel Richie. Yeah. I, I like the idea that they, they, they're so lazy. They haven't even made him look Brazilian. They just made him look vaguely ethnic. They just said, yeah. put on whatever accent you can do. Um, we'll put you in a white suit and then we'll just hope people um, will assume this works. So good. Okay. Bernard Breslau. I like the idea he's... He's going to have a tiny Panama hat as well. So he just yes. sits like one side or, of his head. Or a fez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's not in Egypt. <laughs> but again, they just didn't do their research. So it's <laughs> Bernard Breslau with a fez. Um, yeah, that his cover there is a carnival coordinator so basically he's in a room and all he's kind of like showing at all the carnival girls to put their costumes on and stuff like that and they're all running back and forth and he sees badger turn up um here's him first because uh rick flair will enter the room with a woo um and <laughs> breslaw's oh badger um <laughs> I've got a enter like you know he kind of does that kind of clearly like stock footage, but also then it, it cuts to what can only look like, not a gyrocopter, but look like a, like a hang glider. Mm. But you realise there's, a, there's a, a kind of race car attached to the hang glider. Like, you know, those kind yeah. of uh, stock racing cars that yeah. kind of, you know, like they're just made out of boxes and steel. And it's yeah. got one of them attached to it. And then that unclips. And clearly in the shot, it's a stuntman because he's wearing like a helmet and a black yeah. suit. But then to Ric Flair landing, but he's in his full garb. Yeah. So Driving like, this car towards... Because I, I, I also head. like the idea, because I, I, I think we need some kind of gadget, whatever. Yeah. But while I think it's too good an opportunity to miss right now, so this is my pitch for this scene. Mm. While they're discussing, they're attacked by three goons. Yeah. Ric Flair fights them all off in a kind of handheld fight. It's not really mm -hmm. that choreographed. Um, uh, and Breslau's kind of in the corner, maybe trying to drink a cup of tea or something. He keeps getting knocked over or whatever. And Ric Flair beats them all up. And Breslau's like, you know, we've got to get you out of here. Um, but there'll be eyes everywhere. How can we do it? Cut to the carnival float. And Ric <laughs> Flair's in full carnival regalia. <laughs> um, which, frankly, is pretty much what he's wearing anyway. And he's kind of on the float dancing, but looking around. So we have these moments of tension where he's like looking, and then we cut back to him, and he's got like giant maracas. <laughs> I think, well, because the good thing about Bernard Breslau is, yeah. for some reason, lots of British producers thought he'd look good as a sexy woman. So yes. next to him, we've got Bernard Breslau dressed as a full, in full. Uh, Brazilian woman regalia as well. Yeah. So they just keep looking at each other, going, and they're looking out for yeah know, the shits. But, and, and this is it, right? This, we, we, we can have, but we can have our cake and eat it. So as the procession comes along, suddenly there's like these assassins on the roof with with sniper rifles with massive scopes on the top. Um, 
and they and when he gets to a point they see him and they open fire mm. and so bullets hit things and like exploding glitter and stuff like that and then flare pulls off his giant skirt drops into the float and out from underneath it drives the sports car right yes which at the end of the carnival road takes off yeah and then we have a british tourist who looks at it and looks at his bottle of drink uh, everyone else is clapping mm. um and breslaw has fallen back into a big paper mache volcano that's gone bang and um, it's one of those those myths that if you well not a myth it's one of those those classic things where if you pause at the right time you can fully see his genitals because <laughs> he's gone head over here. Why, why does this film exist? <laughs> <laughs> this that's scene one. <laughs> it's just one of six. So then we're off to uh, oh, you, lives. Fuck you. <laughs> so. Rick Flair's flying his sports car over uh, the sea towards England. It's getting very stormy and rainy. Typical yeah. British weather, all that kind of stuff. And he's, he's, he's on his radio and he's trying to contact um, uh, air traffic control. And suddenly his very plummy British voice comes over the, 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 the air thing and tells him to land in London. We then cut to uh, um, shots of London landmarks like Big Ben and mm -hmm. uh, Tower Bridge. Um, with Royal Britannia playing. Yep. And then Ric Flair, to blend in, is wearing a, uh, a brown overcoat and um, a bowler hat. And he yep. walks into a rainy pub. Barbara wins as the barmaid. Yep. Standard. And we'll get loads of jokes about, um, uh, let me change the pump, let me change your pump. Um, yep. Oh, I'll just squirt it into this glass. Uh, That's a frothy head. Yes, um, all that kind of stuff. He doesn't uh, drink a pint, yeah. literally. He just cuts to him, and he's just got this ridiculous... It looks like a vase. Yeah. A cocktail, and it's got loads of umbrellas and a firework in it. Yeah. I like the idea that he, he asks for, like, have you got a bourbon, or mm -hmm. have you got a uh, this cocktail? And she's like, no, no, what have you got? Um, and she just pulls out this horrible brown liquid, and he takes a drink and just spits it full in her face. <laughs> like, <laughs> And he goes... And then he gets behind the bar and makes himself a cocktail. And then we cut yeah. to him with this elaborate drink. And then we realise that Barbara Windsor is his contact. And Barbara Windsor gives his next piece of information. And again, I think we honour um, Jaguar Lives. And there's no real action sequence here. Maybe Ric Flair gets in a London taxi and there's a bit of a car chase as someone's yes. following him. There's a bit of a car chase around alleyways. Um, and Ric Flair, they, they, they go down a kind of cobbled street a more a Victorian looking cobble street. It's all misty. And yep. uh, the car doesn't crash. The car's phone doesn't crash. It just kind of hits a couple of bins and stops. And the guy runs out into the mist and Ric Flair can't get him. Yep. And then we're off again to, uh, Russia. let's go Russia. Um, again, Shepparton Studios. Um, they've just put some fake snow outside the windows. So how about one of these, like, you know, like Bond always end up in like a log cabin. Yes. Or whatever. Um, and we can have a romantic interlude with a with a rug and a fireplace. And who I know we've already used Barb Windsor, but she kind of felt right behind the pub. Who is a kind of seventies sex symbol? Or possibly wasn't a sex symbol, but we're gonna Yeah, Jean Whitfield. <laughs> yeah. Well I was thinking as well, um what's the face? Who played Margot in um The Good Life? Oh. 
Yes, it needs to be her. It needs to be ah. Oh. But I like the idea of her playing against type, so she's not going to be Penelope Keith. And I've got, I've got you, I've got your Russian shit as well. I've got him, I've got him in the bag. Don't you, you, you take this one. So, yeah. So he's, she's Penelope. He's with Penelope Keith in this log cabin. He's, he's, he's kind of. He, she's got a Russian accent, so she's like a sexy Russian spy. Mm. Uh, they're kind of cocktails. Uh, there's lots of innuendos about, you know, you know, we get the, the Roger Moore Bond films, mm. um, and it's, you know, it's like something's come up, uh, you know, raised yeah. British flag. It's, it's, he's gone further than that. He's just making really crude remarks to uh, yeah, Penelope Keith. Yeah, but then I'm gonna <laughs> fill. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna fill your gulags. <laughs> yes. Give it a Russian thing. I'm gonna infiltrate the Kremlin, something like that. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then it appears outside that someone's knows he's here, so the villains come to him. Can can Penelope Keith be the villain's wife? And he's banging yes. her wife because it'll lead on to my next bit. Good. So it cuts to outside, and there's jet skis approaching. Not jet skis, but they're snowmobiles. Snow yeah, snowmobiles or skidoos. <laughs> I'll accept skidoos. Yeah, jet skis. Um, so skidoo's appearing outside, huskies and everything, yeah. and then it cuts to like a like a, a what looks like a, a, a patrol vehicle or an army vehicle. And it opens up, and there stood is Peter Bowles of oh, yes. uh, Man He's got a huge moustache. They've let it grow like a starling. Yeah, and he's got big Russian hats on, huge Russian jacket. Yeah, and he's the shit. Yeah, can Ric Flair? double clothesline two people off two separate snowbills in the way that Joe Lewis did it off the motorbikes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he can. Okay, and that's good. So he gets the information. He bangs Penelope Keith. Peter Bowles is having fucking none of it. There's yeah. some Ric Flair versus snowmobile action. Um, and can, at the end of it, somehow, maybe there's like next to the log cabin, there's like a little water tower where they get their supply of fresh water and that gets split and covers Peter Bowles and he freezes into like a, an ice sculpture yes which then rick flair rides out on the ice like a like an ice toboggan yes he rides yes. peter bowles a frozen he peter, bowles peter bowles over the border <laughs> um and then we we get to our beach our exotic beach location um we just smash cut to rick flair looking incredibly red in a pair of speedos um on a beach um, with some kind of steel drum music in the background, even though we haven't established it's, it's uh, you know, Jamaica or anything like that. It's, it's probably something Spanish. Um, he's got another ridiculous cocktail. Um, he's doing the typical 70s thing of, of eyeing up women. I like the idea of he, he watches two women in bikinis walk by. Mm. And as, he, as they kind of pass by, we see from his point of view, as the camera pans right close to the camera, out of focus is the face of our next celebrity. So yes. it like spills the frame and then it goes into focus and he kind of leaps out and spills his cocktail. Um, and so we, this is where we have a ridiculous person who, again, is in full suit and tie, mm. sweating buckets, sunburn, um, completely out of their depth. Who are we gonna, who would play that? I mean, again, we, there's so many people from the carry on uh, thing that we can go to, but 
I'm kind of thinking because Rowan Atkinson played Q in Never, Name, Never Say Never yeah. Again, right? So I'm thinking someone. We, our dates are going to get a bit of fudge, but I like the idea of a British comedian, someone mm. like um, Griff Reese Jones, or we could either have Mel Smith. Yes, or Mel Smith's good. Ronnie Barker. Oh yeah, Ronnie Barker. Let's have Ronnie Barker. As a, as a proper British civil servant, and again, <laughs> yeah. bowler hat, suitcase, umbrella, just on a beach in Marbella. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and this this is where we're going to have a, 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 a bigger action sequence, I think. We'll give the audience what they want, and we'll have Ric Flair fighting someone on the beach to the death while a yeah. crowd cheer. And this is... We'll team up with, a, with another wrestler. Um, now, my... Obviously, my knowledge of wrestlers really kind of starts in the heyday of WWF. I think Ric Flair kind of preceded that, hmm. that kind of, you know, uh, Road Warriors, Ultimate Warrior kind of thing. And I think we're a little bit further before that. So I don't really know who would be a good choice there. Um, we could always, you know, there's, there's plenty of people from British wrestling, Giant Haystacks, Big Daddy, Kendo Nakasaki, um, all those kind of... Uh, you know, massively out of shape people that, that the British call wrestlers. <laughs> um, uh, most British wrestling really ended if it was you won if you got a pin, a hold, or if the other person had a heart attack uh, in the yeah. ring. That was generally how it worked. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll get some kind of um, pale-skinned, flabby British wrestler in a in a half leotard um, with one flabby man tit hanging out, um, badly applied sun cream. Um, yeah. And they just wrestle on the beach. Um, I think they pretend as well. It's like a tradition. So in this part of Spain, wherever the hell we are, there's like a death match that yeah. happens every every year or so. Mm. And um, somehow he gets entered into it or he decides to enter into it. Um, yeah. Or, or he, he runs him a bit peril and it's like, I'm getting out of it by wrestling the bloke to death. Yeah, So absolutely. It's like the, um, the Lanzarote death match. Yes. And so I, th I think, I know we, I think we're slightly under on our uh, locations, but I think we should get to our final location before we track down Busey. Yeah. I've already got our next guest star lined up. I just need a location. Right. Where are we going? So we've, we've done lo rainy London, rainy, foggy, Victorian London. Yeah. Snowy <laughs> Russia. Beach, Brazilian Beach. carnival. Um, you know, I was thinking Australia or Japan because we haven't done Japan either, have we? Or have we? Yeah, because then Japan we can introduce all the the silk kimonos and the yes, because we want to fight. You know, in the um, with like the paper walls and that kind of stuff, we can have a fight where they crash through that. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> our Badger, our man in the field, um, heads off to Japan, where he meets the British attaché. He's a, he's an ex spy who was out there um, post-World War II yeah. um, and has kind of been stuck out there. So he's, he's one of these people who is clearly British, but he's adapted to the way of life. So he dresses right. in full Japanese regalia. He's got a Japanese wife. Um, and that's Terry Thomas. Yes. Um, so he's got, oh, yeah, please do take your shoes off, dear fellow. Kneel down. Um, uh, and there, Ric Flair gets attacked by a sumo wrestler. Right, and they just crash through all these paper walls, um, mm -hmm. and then 
So basically, uh, is Japan where we're going to end end our movie? Is that going to be our big yeah, finale? Is? We have a climactic kind of fight in like a you know a walled city or something like that. Yeah, uh, maybe there maybe we suggest there's like a secret fort up Mount Fuji. Yeah. <clears throat> now, now, Dick, if you had to get from mainland Japan mm. to the top of Mount Fuji. What kind of vehicle that would only require one person to operate would get you to that height that quick? Gyrocopter. So Badger gets in his gyrocopter, yeah. um, flies off. There'll be lots of stock footage of other helicopters that are supposed to be attacking him, and they never interact yeah. apart from a bit where it's clearly back projected. It's just Ric Flair sat in Shepard and Studios in, a, in just the cockpit of a, of a gyrocopter, yeah. What, like a World War Two film plays behind him. Yeah. Um, he's coming through it really slowly and drinking yeah. like a drinking a cocktail at the same time, yeah. and going woo every time <laughs> one of them explodes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, goes to the secret base. They're busy, <laughs> um, and uh, and his army of jumpsuit wearing um, uh, minions, yeah, yeah, are mass producing the bazookas, and. So I'm pitching a similar kind of fight that was in Jaguar Lives. So yeah. we've got Ric Flair in just his yeah. trunks. Yeah. We've got Gary Busey, a young Gary mm -hmm. Busey, in just his trunks. Yeah. Only instead of carrying spears, they're carrying their multi-firing bazookas and they're firing them at each other and everything's blowing up. And there's <laughs> minions, there's stuntmen flying off of gantries. Um, and it's all sorts, and they run out, and they they throw them at each other, and they get into a proper old-fashioned wrestling hold, um, and they get really close, and they're they're shouting, um, and Ric Flair just starts wooing uncontrollably into a frenzy, and he just picks Gary Buse up and throws him off Mount Fuji, um, yeah. uh, and we just have a, one of those really great shots of a of, of a dummy with no joints in it. It's just all the legs are bending back. <laughs> at one point, you think, I swear that dummy's got three legs. And it just, yeah. like a really wide shot, we're just rolling down a mountain um, where they've just but literally we've chucked, we've, we've chucked him down a shit hill in Surrey somewhere. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> like him out Yeah. And then we get Gary Busey to just, <laughs> in post-production, just scream into a microphone for the entire... I, I think it takes a good a minute and a half for this dummy to roll down uh, this hill. Yeah. It gets caught a couple of times and gradually falls yeah. off. When it gets to the end, it's just like an arm and a head and the, the legs are up a tree somewhere. Um, yeah. But Busey screams at full volume until that dummy stops. And then he goes, oh, yeah. Um, and then we have a shot of Ric Flair in bed with Barbara Windsor hmm. um, with Penelope Keith. And basically, there's this, there's this pan across with Ric Flair. He's got his arms around two women, and, he and they're sort of talking. And then you hear, oh, can I get in? And he turns over, and there's Breslau in a wig in the same bed. And they're like, and all the covers come up, and they start having like a play wrestle, and the women are like screaming. And, for the, and that's for the entirety of the credits. They're running around the bed, falling over. Breslau's genitals come out again. <laughs> <laughs> can, um, towards the end, can... can um... Terry Scott wandering with like a drinks tray. Yeah. And he's like, any, any really shit sweet accent, like, anyone for drinks? And then just falls over and just Someone hits them and they all go over him. And he's like, yeah. and he's rubbing his eyes. Brilliant. It's great. It's got everything you want. It's got all the guest stars. It's, you know, we've just taken our cues from Jaguar Lives. It's got the same beats. It's got the yeah. same market 
kind of approach. You can get fill it with lots of actors and locations. You've got Ric Flair in his prime. Um, yeah, he's missing one thing that Jaguar Lives didn't have. What's that? It's missing. It's giving it plenty. What can we have as its theme tune? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I think something similar in its in its upbeat. Mm. Um, so my original major thing was going for gold, but that's already a, uh, a, a kind of British European quiz show. Going in hard. Going in hard. Yeah. Yeah. And brackets. <laughs> woo. Going too hard. Uh, going. <laughs> going too <laughs> hard. Yeah. Because um, Ric Flair, we get Ric Flair to sing it. Yeah. He sings the theme tune. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is over the opening credits, which yeah. is. Um, we're trying to do the Bond thing, but obviously we haven't got the budget for those, those optical effects. So it's just still pictures of Ric Flair moving slowly across like a, a primary colour background, but there's like a ghosting effect. And he just moves, the same picture just moves yeah. towards us from left to right, from right to left, from up down. It, it rotates across one side and rotates across the other. Um, and then maybe interspersed with, a picture of, with pictures of badgers. Um, yeah. But the end credits, obviously, it's just this hilarious scene of, of people making out. Um, and yeah, a, a, a reprise of going too hard, brackets, woo, close brackets, <laughs> um, sung by Ric Flair. Slade featuring Ric Flair. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. After, obviously, Noddy Hall has been mauled by a tiger from the. Yeah. Um, Can also Ric Flair, obviously, he's, he's known for his kind of big white hair. Yeah. But because he's the badger, can he have like a black streak in the middle of it? Yes, absolutely. I think that's, that's perfectly reasonable. Improper bazookas. And it was meant to be the first in a series of, of badger movies. Um, yeah. I like at the end, it, it, it says, and I'm going to get the, the thing out, badger will return yeah. in <laughs> first click. Come up, saucy warden. <laughs> Is that when he's in a prison? Yeah. Um, and again, uh, yeah, I mean, saucy warden, you don't get better than that, do you? Amazing. Um, Amazing. Um, yeah, but then they never made it because in a in an interview shortly after the release of this film, Ric Flair said not only was filming it in in England, he, the worst experience he ever had, but that himself and all of the guest stars, except Penelope Keith, were so drunk that none of them remember even doing it. Justice, justice, justice. And so, uh, what we're going to take from Jaguar Lives is our kind of um, attempt for justice. I, I know what I want to take from Jaguar Lives is to go in our kind of justice manual. Whether again, whether you're working for a law enforcement agency whether you're seeking your own personal justice, the, the Justice 101 manual is you know, available to everyone. You know, um, yeah. It's like the Bible. Anyone yeah. can access the Bible. Anyone if, seeking if, justice, yeah. yeah. We, we do hope that if we can generate enough revenue from this podcast, we will open a church uh, of sorts where we preach the, the, the teachings found in the Justice 101 manual. Uh, and for me, is that if you're finding need to find information, if you're investigating, we're getting into the hard, the, the reality of, of seeking justice. And we're not talking about the, the frothy fun stuff, the action, the chases. We're talking about real investigative work. 
basically how you investigate something is you go somewhere, find someone, and they will tell you exactly what you need to know, and then they will tell you to go to another country. That's what, yeah. how you investigate. If you go somewhere and speak to someone and they don't mm. tell you what you need to know or where to go to get it, um, you're either in the wrong place, wrong person, or you failed um, and you yeah. should go home. Yeah. Exactly. You need to li- visit at least four countries um, on any investigation. Any, anything you want to take from this, Dick? I think... <clears throat> I think this is one for the, uh, the 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 big bosses, the big knobs, the people that you know run the top the, cheeses, you know, the top cheeses, yeah, the, yeah. the numero cheeses. Is invest in gyrocopters. Yeah, you need a gyrocopter. Yeah, uh, it. You know what? It's sad in this day and age that we have to spell that out for people. If you're going to be seeking any kind of justice, yeah. you know, if you feel that um, you bought something off Amazon. And it wasn't what you wanted, and the seller or marketplace uh, doesn't refund it. Um, how are you going to get your refund if you can't pursue the seller in a gyrocopter? It's basic yeah. stuff. Um, basic. Look in your garage. If you do not have a gyrocopter, you will never get justice. Um, no. And I would argue you never really wanted it if you didn't try yeah. that hard. What, what are you doing if you've not got a gyrocopter? How are you going to get from country to country yeah. if you? Haven't got a gyrocopter. You you're really not going to get anywhere, and you know, you're not sexy doing it. Because let's face it, if you're in a gyrocopter, you look sexy. You go to the person, they tell you where you need to go, and you go, "I can't get there. Why? I'm I'm got a gyrocopter. Pardon? I'm got a gyrocopter. Well, why did you even turn up in the first place? Um, yeah. You deserve what you. Yeah. Got. Your partner was killed. Your family were bombed in a car bombing explosion by an evil villain. Good. Good. Yeah. You deserve it. You haven't got a fucking gyrocopter. Gyrocopterless bastard. <laughs> I'm going to hop in mine now and go and uh, knit down. We're going to we're going to both get an owls and we're going to high five in midair. Because you uh, can do that. That's allowed in the guidance for social distancing. You can high five as long as you're in gyrocopters. Yeah.